Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, America, let me tell you why you despise so much that goes on in Washington, D.C. Let me tell you why you despise politicians generally, and liberals in particular. You had an entire hearing today on the Democrat side on nothing. Let's talk about Obamacare. The individual mandate was voted out of Obamacare a couple of years back. And that was the part that was the part that was constitutionally sketch. In other words, unconstitutional. It was removed by Congress at the behest of the President of the United States. It's not there anymore. So the administration is trying to strike excuse me, strike out the rest of Obamacare. And unfortunately, from my perspective, it's unlikely to succeed. We have six justices already that have indicated they're likely to uphold the rest of it. Now, why? Because they like it? Because they believe in the policy? Because they think it's such a wonderful law? No. Because there's a judicial term called severability. Judges particularly Supreme Court justices, if they can uphold a law, they'll uphold it if they feel it's constitutional. With the individual mandate now gone, that's been severed from the rest of the law. So the rest of the law is likely to stand, and six justices have inferred, at least, that that's their intention. Now, the Democrats know this, the media know this, but they don't care. They don't care. And so 
half the day you're subjected to, we're subjected to photos of people who if they lose their health care, they're going to die or go broke or what have you. Now, these are very sad stories that have absolutely nothing to do with this hearing and absolutely nothing to do with this case. Zero. And so they turned a hearing over the nomination of a Supreme Court justice into a Democrat Party commercial. Intending to pull at the heartstrings of senior citizens and women. Look what Trump is going to do to you. Look what Trump's... Trump's not going to do anything to you. Even though this is aimed at suburban women in particular and seniors. So unfortunately, Obamacare is likely to stand. It's likely to stand. All those photos, all the drama, all the theatrics... An outrageous, contemptible act by the Democrats who think everybody's stupid. Who think everybody's stupid. And this is entirely intended to help Joe Biden. That's what they did to the oversight hearing today on whether or not to confirm Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court of the United States. Another mockery. Another complete mockery. Obamacare. Obamacare sucks. For those who are required to use it, it stinks. The premiums are through the roof. The deductibles are through the roof. Some states, you have no choices whatsoever. Other chases, uh, states, maybe two. But the fact of the matter is the coverage is quite poor. But Mark, what about pre-existing conditions? First of all, again, this law is very unlikely to be struck down on the legal theory that I mentioned and the fact that there have been inferences made by at least six justices who are currently on the court. But I don't know of a single Republican senator, or for that matter, a single Democrat senator, who has said they don't support mandating pre-existing conditions. So they would pass a law compelling insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions. That's it. Nobody's going to fall through any hole. Moreover, states already do that for the most part. Remember, most of these insurance companies aren't regulated by the federal government. They're regulated by the states. And in virtually every instance, they're required to cover pre-existing conditions. So another straw man, another phony issue. Pre-existing conditions won't be covered. And then finally, Judge Barrett. We have no idea how Judge Barrett would rule when it comes to the Obamacare case. And we're not supposed to. So the Democrats just view this as a Politburo that they want to control. And the irony throughout all this, they complain about the process, is that the very senators sitting there and pontificating, starting with Kamala Harris, have every intention of destroying the Supreme Court by packing it. So all the niceties of the Constitution, all the niceties of the issue of Obamacare and pre-existing, they intend to destroy the Supreme Court. And we should stop asking Biden whether he's going to do it, and we ought to tell the American people he's going to do it. He is going to destroy the Supreme Court. The senators sitting there on the Judiciary Committee have every intention of destroying the Supreme Court. So when they sit there 
and want to know about Barrett and want to know about the court and want to know what. None of it matters to them in the end. Because if their plan is to add six more justices, and I hear that's the plan, to make it 15, just like FDR wanted to, but was blocked by his own party, then Barrett is of no consequence. Then Clarence Thomas is of no consequence. Then Sam Alito's of no consequence, and the rest of them are of no consequence. Because they're going to pack the court. So when you watch these court gestures up there, with big posters of individuals who presumably won't get the magnificent Obamacare coverage. Here's my problem in part. The Republicans are utterly unprepared, Mr. Producer. They're ready to debate the technicalities of this section or that section of the Constitution, which is perfectly fine. But the Democrats are playing on a political level. They're trying to win this election. And they're using this nomination... Politically. So it's okay to argue the Constitution, but you must push back. How about some photographs of veterans who died, over 300,000 of them, when Obama and Biden were running the federal government? Obamacare or no Obamacare, they died. And they had VA coverage. Veterans Administration, which is even more comprehensive than Obamacare, they died. They have got to learn how to push back. They have got to learn how to play the Democrats' game. I know it's unseemly. I know it's, it's, it's frustrating. But this isn't a serious hearing for the Democrats. It's exploitive. And so they play to the media. They play to the cameras. Obamacare. And next Roe v. Wade, they say. And then they lie. We have six conservative justices. Ladies and gentlemen, John Roberts is not going to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Period. Period. That's five justices. And I doubt that Gorsuch would agree to that. And I doubt that Kavanaugh would agree with that. So those of you who favor slaughtering human babies, you're safe. It's okay. It's a choice. Don't worry about it. And so this is a lie. And Roe v. Wade is a disgrace. It's a pathetic opinion. It's incoherent. Everybody agrees. But there's another policy objective. If Congress and the American people so overwhelmingly want abortion on demand demand and paid for by the American people, then why don't they amend the Constitution? The answer is the American people don't. That's the answer. But for you leftists out there, Roe v. Wade will not be overturned. So you should be very excited with your death cult. Very, very excited. So that's the second lie. And we even have one senator, Chris Coons. He's on TV all the time. He's considered, you know, this is a rational guy. This Chris Coons. Oh, yeah, he's a rational guy. We got to bring him on TV to show that... uh, you know, that we're going to have Democrats on. The, you know what he claims today? Well, let's get cut 16, Mr. Producer. Cut 16, go. Judge, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about ways in which your approach 
So something that may sound abstract to folks watching stare decisis or precedent, that means your approach to reviewing and reconsidering and possibly overturning long settled cases. May now, overturn- let, me, let me stop you right there. Was Dred Scott a settled case? Dred Scott, you remember Dred Scott, right? Chief Justice of the United States, Taney, wrote the opinion holding that slaves are not people. That was a settled case. How about Plessy versus Ferguson? Separate but equal is equal. That was a settled case. How about Korematsu? When FDR rounded up Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent, that was okay. I can go through a whole bunch of cases where we really don't want the precedent and cases should be overturned. Right, ladies and gentlemen? You're damn right. Anyway, let's go to this low IQ senator. Go ahead. Some of the very principles for which Justice Ginsburg fought her entire adult life. Principles that protect settled, fundamental rights for all Americans. What might this mean? Cases like Griswold versus Connecticut that established married couples have a right to obtain and use contraception in the privacy of the world. All right, all right, all right. So in other words, you see the fear-mongering and the scare tactics. How many of you are going to fall for this? That a Justice Barrett would vote to allow states to outlaw contraceptives. How many of you are going to buy this? How many of you are going to believe this? It's so outrageous. So appalling. She said nothing of the sort. You should be disgusted with these Democrats. More when I return. I'll be right back. Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So the Democrats want to pack the court. Now, what does that mean to your liberties and rights? They want to talk about rights. Let's talk about real liberties and rights, like the Bill of Rights. It means the freedom of religion will be destroyed. It means the freedom of assembly will be destroyed if you don't assemble with the right people. It means your right to bear arms and protect yourselves under the Second Amendment will be destroyed. It means due process in many instances will be destroyed. It means equal protection in many instances will be destroyed. It means the taking clause where the federal government is supposed to reimburse you when they take your home, as an example, will be eliminated. It means for certain crimes, there'll be strict liability crimes 
without probable cause, eliminated. It means the Ninth Amendment, which they already ignore, will be eliminated. The Ninth Amendment represents your unalienable rights as expressed in the Declaration of Independence. It means the Tenth Amendment and federalism will be eliminated unless they think it can help undermine further your individual liberties and the Constitution, like with sanctuary cities. It means they will destroy the Constitution's Electoral College Clause. It means they will destroy the whole notion of a bicameral Congress by forever changing the United States Senate as an appendage of the Democrat Party. Let's talk about your liberties and your rights. It means the private sector will be the plaything of the centralized big government, iron-fisted left. You'll have government-run health care whether you like it or not. They're going to eliminate charter schools and all opportunities to send your children to alternatives to government schools. They've all but said it. They will give illegal aliens the same rights as citizens. And in some of their cities, they even have a right to vote. You can see that expanding. Mark, what are you saying? I'm saying exactly what they intend. Illegal aliens, they've already said, should get health care. Well, there goes Medicare, dead. Because when people don't pay into a program and they get 100% of the benefits, no program can sustain that. Medicare will be dead. Social Security will be dead. And what else? Our constitutional system of checks and balances will not exist any longer. What will happen to your children and your grandchildren under those circumstances? You saw what took place in the streets. The law of the streets took place over the summer. Rioting and demands. White privilege. Systemic racism. These will be enshrined in our law and enshrined in what's left of our Constitution. Meaning individuals will not be judged by their own character. Individuals will not be judged based on their merit. Individuals will not be judged based on what's between their ears and in their hearts and in their souls. But what's between their legs and the color of their skin. As the nation tribalizes, balkanizes, That's what your children and your grandchildren have to look forward to. This is the Democrat Party. This is what they want to do to America. They can hold up all the posters they want. But make no mistake about it. Their target is the Constitution. It stands in their way. And they want to devour the Supreme Court, devour the Senate, devour the electorate. And then it's over. Over for all time. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today, we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. 
And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Man, Joe Morgan died today. Great second baseman, maybe one of the greatest for the Cincinnati Reds. You know, last month Tom Seaver died. Last week Bob Gibson died. Today, Joe Morgan died. You know, in my childhood, or not childhood, but my teen years at least, these were my sports icons. It's really sad to see this. And three of the greatest ever. Just tremendous. Perhaps you've been watching the last 24 or 48 hours where the Trump campaign read an ad which features in part Dr. Fauci. Praising the administration. Now we're going to get into this since it was my show and my interview. I'm the one who interviewed Dr. Fauci at the old executive office building where he made these comments. And I'll tell you what's shocking, Levinites. They've been playing this all over Fox and not once have they mentioned it was on Life, Liberty and Levin. Can somebody explain that to me? They've been playing it all over cable TV, other networks, and not once did they mention it was my interview. In the newspapers, they almost don't mention it was my interview. This is how much, well, I better not say it. But it was a serious interview. Like all of my interviews are serious interviews. I was watching my friends on Fox and Friends this morning, never said a word. I don't know why. You know, it's bizarre. Because I'm the one who can dig into this. I'm the one who can explain what he said to me face to face. I'm the one who asked him. And we're going to get into this. Because Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci is deceiving the American people. Donald Trump is the head of the Trump administration. Donald Trump chose the task force. Donald Trump appointed the vice president. All the final decisions are made by Donald Trump. Dr. Fauci said to me that Donald Trump, each and every time he would raise an issue with him about science, even if Trump disagreed, he would go along with Fauci. He praised the president. And now you have fools at the Washington Compost, fools at the New York Slimes, fools at CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere trying to pretend he didn't. Why are they trying to pretend he didn't? Other than the fact that they have this narrative that the President of the United States screwed up on the virus. This is the Democrat Party narrative. They've spent tens of millions of dollars pushing this. And yet, Fauci praised the President, praised the administration, praised the task force. All of them. And now he's reversing course. He's spinning, and I would argue, lying. And I was there, face to face, with Dr. Fauci. This is the Trump ad. And again, it is bizarre to me. I I interviewed 
for an hour, half an hour, Fauci and a half hour, the vice president of the United States as head of the task force. So we really dug into the coronavirus. And Dr. Fauci, at least at the time, was very forthcoming. And so I would encourage cable TV and network TV, the next time you use my interview, have a Chiron or at least say it. Here's the ad. Cut one, go. President Trump is recovering from the coronavirus, and so is America. Together, we rose to meet the challenge, protecting our seniors, getting them life-saving drugs in record time, sparing no expense. President Trump tackled the virus head-on, as leaders should. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. We'll get through this together. We'll live carefully, but not afraid. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Mm-hmm. A perfect commercial. I've been wondering and waiting, when are they going to run something like this? Well, of course, Dr. Fauci's been in Washington longer than Biden, half a century. His liberal friends in the media don't like this. Hillary Clinton, who he wrote love letters to, clearly doesn't like this. The Democrat Party, how dare you use the Fauci? You can't use the Fauci. Why not? So let's cut into some of this. This was March 22nd on Life, Liberty, and Levin. March 22nd. Cut four, go. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been... Uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it. Impressive, I Stop. think. Is one. They've been impressive. Wow. The coordinated response has been impressive. Which administration is this? Is it the Obama-Biden administration? No. It's the Trump-Pence administration. Go ahead. One of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time Hmm. on this. Almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day. Excuse me? Where are you? You're down at the White House almost every day? Is your office at the White House? No. So you're dying at the White House almost every day working with the task force in the Trump administration. Imagine that. Go ahead. I'm connected by phone um, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. There's a whole it's- group. I think we call it the task force that the president appointed and the vice president is in charge of. Imagine that. Any similar thing with Obama-Biden? No, of course not. Go ahead. Every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be try- doing more. Oh, I mean, you can't imagine uh, anybody could be doing more. The team, right? The administration, right? Of course, that's what he was talking about. Not himself. Go ahead. Obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy, this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. Uh, take a look at what it's done to China, to Europe, 
to uh, South Korea. I mean, it, it's serious. And our response is aimed, and I know you've heard that many, many times, and, and this is true. I mean, I deal with viruses my entire career. When you have an outbreak virus, if you leave it to its own devices, it will peak up and then come back down. Well, we learned from China that letting it peak up is really bad because it can do some serious damage. So we're focused now, like a laser, on doing whatever we can. And there are two or three things that deserve mention to make this peak actually be a, a mound, which means you're going to have suffering, you're going to have illness, you're going to have death, but it's not going to be the maximum that the virus can do. A couple of ways to do that. Wait a minute. So it's not going to be the maximum because of what the team, the task force, the Trump-Pence administration are doing. Imagine that. Go ahead. First was, as we say all the time, the very timely decision on the part of the president to shut off travel from China. Wait a minute. Because Wait a minute. The very timely decision by the president to shut off travel from China, which Biden opposed. He opposed for like two months. Wow. So Biden had been president, potentially a million or two people would have died in this country. You just heard Fauci, didn't you, Mr. Producer? Didn't you, America? And by the way, Fauci opposed it. Go ahead. We saw that there was this possibility of people coming in and seeding in the country. We did it early. And as it turned out, there were relatively few cases in the big picture of things that came in from China. Unfortunately, for our colleagues and many of whom are my friends and people that I've trained actually in medicine, in European countries, they didn't do that. And they got hit really hard and are being hit really hard. The first thing. Second thing, when the infection burden shifted from China to Europe, we did the same thing with Europe. We shut off travel from And Europe. he's saying this saved lives. The president shut off travel. The infectious disease director does not have the power to do that. The president shut off China. The president shut off Europe. Wow. Would Joe Biden have done that? No, he would not have done that. Now, this is Fauci. Go ahead. Which again was another safeguard to prevent influx from without in. The other way you do it is by containment and mitigation. And now everybody knows what the word mitigation means because it's the things that we're doing. No crowds. Work from home. Don't go to places that you can be uh, susceptible 10 people in a room, not 50 and 100 people. Stay away from theaters. Take the elderly people who are susceptible and have them do self-isolation. Stay at a bar. Stay at a restaurant. If you're in an area where there's a lot of coronavirus activity, close the bars. Close the restaurant. That's heavy-duty mitigation. So I think with all of those things going on at the same time, I believe we will. We're already doing it, but you just can't notice it yet because you have the dynamics of the virus going up. We're trying to put it down. You're not really sure quantitatively what you're doing, but you can be actually certain that we're having an impact on it. This sounds like a man who's very proud of what they've been doing, that they're on top of the issue. Now, who do they all work for? They work for the president of the United States.
President of the United States can't be proud of what his team has done and his decisions. And so the ad is misleading. It's out of context. Here's the whole context, Mr. Producer. Here's the whole context, America. He's beating his chest. He's so excited about what the administration's been doing. Go ahead. Now, there's another part here. I hope we captured it somewhere in these uh, clips where I asked him if the president follows the science. He said, yes, the president follows the science. Let's see if we can find out. We'll, we'll be right back. Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. More Dr. Fauci from my interview on March 22nd. Cut five, go. You're impressed every day, 20 hours a day, with what's taking place. How about the private sector? You impressed with their reaction? Well, I'm, I'm impressed with the fact that when the president called the private sector into the cabinet room and into the Roosevelt room and said, we need to step up. Whoa, that whoa, that whoa, whoa. Allowed- Did you hear that? See, I'm doing the whole thing in context. I was taken out of context. Point after point after point after point, you can see Trump leadership than leadership of the Trump administration. It's stronger when you hear the whole thing than when you just hear the one sentence. Go ahead. Out us to have a lot more bandwidth, if you want to call it that. I mean, particularly with the idea of when we were stalling early on a bit with the testing. They said, okay, we need high-throughput testing. We need the companies that make it to get it out there and can implement that. And to their credit, the companies stepped to the plate. So that's the reason why we are seeing and will be seeing quite soon a major escalation in the ability to be doing testing. There's this statement put out, some in the press, some in the opposition party, the president, that the president doesn't follow the science. President following the science? Every single time that I, and, and when I say every day, it's like almost every day. <laughs> it's not like once a month. Um, we, we're in the, in the task force meeting. There are several of us, myself included, I'm not the only one, that's a scientist or a public health person. There are other people who have other responsibilities, so we get a good sampling of, of expertise that you need. And it's led by the vice president. Secretary Azar is there as the secretary of HHS. And we talk about every aspect, and we, we make all of our 
decisions and recommendations that are based on the science. I have never in that room Listen. had a situation where I said, scientifically, this is the right thing to do it. And they said, don't do it. Or scientifically, this is the wrong thing to do. And they did it anyway. Then we get up and we present it to the president. And he asks a lot of questions. That's his nature. He's constantly asking you questions. And I never, in the multiple times that I've done that, where I said, for scientific reasons, we really should do this, that he hasn't said, let's do it. Or when he's decided, not decided, when he suggests, why don't we do this? And I say, no, that's really not a good idea from a scientific standpoint. He has never overruled me. All right, so All right. Let's, let's regroup. He says the entire response has been impressive. He doesn't think anybody could be doing more. He lauds the decision on China and the subsequent decision on Europe. And he talks almost braggadocia about the social controls that they've put in place. He's impressed by the president meeting with the private sector and telling them to step it up. And he says each and every time, each and every time we raise the science with the president, the president has agreed with us. Ladies and gentlemen, the media have been lying for the last 24 to 48 hours. Obviously, Dr. Fauci has reversed course. And unfortunately, now he's trying to undermine the president of the United States. The fact of the matter is, I did this interview. It's on video. The commercial only takes one sentence. If you had all the sentences that Fauci used, it would even be more impressive The fact is that Fauci is praising the president, praising the Trump administration, praising the task force. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now you know why not a single news organization in the entire country not even my own network, asked me to comment on my interview of Dr. Fauci. Not one. Because I remember it front to end. There are at least six or seven lines in that interview that could have been used in a Trump ad. Now Dr. Fauci says, in all my years... I've never been used in a campaign ad before. This is amazing coming from a man who's been on hundreds, hundreds of TV shows and interviews and so forth and so on. But don't use it in an ad. No, 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 no. How absurd is that, ladies and gentlemen? He's a public figure making public comments about one of the biggest public issues of our time. Don't use it in an ad. Of course. Of course the Trump administration and the Trump campaign should continue to use it in ads. 
Because it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, the media gets very excited. Very excited. When there are Republicans who endorse Joe Biden for president. And a lot of these Republicans cannot get attention and certainly not positive media unless they do exactly that. You've got Carly Fiorina. Remember her? John Kasich. Remember him? Colin Powell. Christine Whitman. Chuck Hagel, who's, who's kind of a clown anyway. Wasn't he like an Obama defense secretary? I think he was. Ray LaHood, who was like an Obama transportation secretary. Anthony Scaramucci, a complete schmuck. David Durenberger. What, didn't he have some kind of ethics issue? Whatever it was. Out of Minnesota. John Warner of Virginia. I think he's about 112 now. And he undermined Ollie North when Ollie North was running for the Senate. Jeff Flake. Yes, he is. And then there are others. I'm looking at the list here. We've got, let's see, former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, disaster. Bill Weld, who's a, who's a complete schmuck. I know him well, and he turned on my boss, the Attorney General, and stabbed him in the back. And as I say, there are others. Several others. Tom Ridge is an example. Well, I want you to remember those names. Because they're all supporting a candidate who wants to destroy the Supreme Court, destroy the Senate, destroy the Electoral College, destroy our health care, who believes in open borders, and has signed on to the most radical agenda in American political history. Every one of those Republicans is now voting for that. But there's even more. Ever hear of Angela Davis? Some of you are too young. Noam Chomsky, Cornel West, Francis Fox Piven. These are all radicals, socialists, Marxists. The worst. In my view, the worst. You ought to do a Google on Angela Davis. Well, guess what they're doing? They're all endorsing Biden. Where did I find this? The peoplesworld.org. The peoplesworld.org, I assume that's some kind of a Marxist operation. I don't know. So they're joining John Kasich and Tom Ridge and so forth and so on because they say, we've got to stop Trump. And so we've got to vote for Biden. Angela Davis, Noam Chomsky, Cornel West, and Francis Fox Piven are among many prominent left-wing voices, they're more than left-wing, who are encouraging a vote for a Biden-Harris ticket despite the shortcomings of the candidates in order to block the greater danger posed by Trump's continued occupancy of the White House. Now think about those Colin Powell's joined in with Angela Davis. Alarm over the prospect of a second Trump presidency and desire for substantial change is preparing the ground for an unprecedented voter turnout in November. This is from this commie rag. The virtual Democrat National Convention showcased the vast array of support coalescing around former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Harris. That support ranges from former Ohio Republican Governor Kasich to socialists, Bernie Sanders, he's a Marxist. A spectrum so broad makes that required turnout a real possibility. 
November is about stopping fascism in America, and that's what Donald Trump represents. Since Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, what a POS she is, by the way. What an ignorant, surface buffoon. Let's see here. The Working Families Party and the Center for Popular Democracy have jointly pledged to mobilize the vote for Biden-Harris. So the ultra-radical, way, way out reds in this country are organizing for Biden. You hear that, suburbs? Both groups have a base of progressive activists and back Sanders in the primary. Both groups vow to keep fighting for a progressive agenda if Biden's elected. So Biden's elected, and they've already put this group together with a demand agenda. It's just the beginning. CPT director Jennifer Epps Addison hopes to convince those active in the streets that the next step to take is voting, and voting for Biden. I'm excited, said Angela Davis, of Biden's historic pick of Harris for vice president. Now, this isn't to say Kamala Harris doesn't have problematic areas of her record, but I think it's a feminist approach to be able to work with those contradictions, to be able to dwell there. So in the context, I say I'm very excited. Davis, this this is how the communists write about this. Davis was a political prisoner for her work in the fight for black liberation in the early 70s and was the vice presidential candidate of the Communist Party USA in 1980 and 1984. Now, even though Donald Trump, uh, you support white supremacists, the corrupt, drunk with stupidity media, all of them keep asking that question. Joe Biden was just endorsed by Angela Davis, who ran as the vice presidential candidate of the Communist Party USA in 1980 and 1984. Will he be asked to distance himself from them? Will he be asked? This is serious. Because she was violent. Angela Davis was a violent communist. She was part of the violent uprising in the 1970s. So my question is, will Joe Biden be asked if he rejects the support of Angela Davis, who was the vice presidential candidate of Communist Party USA in 1980-84, and suburbs and seniors, I just want you to know she's endorsed Biden. I'm not a socialist, I'm a moderate. Oh yeah, okay, got it. While critical of Biden's shortcoming on several issues, Davis added, and I'm reading from this worldspeople.org, We have to get rid of the person who's in office at the moment, whose name I will not pronounce. And it's really a question of who we will be able to pressure. Pressure. Let's see. Organizing upgrade editor Max Elbaum has argued against the strategy of electoral abstention or third-party voting. Quote, the central polarization in the country today is between Trumpist bloc driving toward authoritarian rule versus a majority opposition that for all the vacillations and... Boy, this guy's a head case. Can't even understand what he's saying, can you? Over 40 Democratic Socialists signed a letter in The Nation calling for Trump's defeat. The signers say the priority for the left in 2020 should be the electoral defeat of Donald Trump and the Trumpist Republican Party in November. At present, the only way to accomplish that will be to vote for his Democratic opponent. Trump's commitment to the destruction of basic... These are from communists. 
By the way, I'm told by my friend uh, Speridon, this is the newspaper of the Communist Party that I'm reading from. Trumpist commitment to the destruction of basic democratic institutions, the right to vote, an independent judiciary, isn't that precious? A free press, even more precious. Congress as a co-equal branch of government, the sovereign character of state governments, would make further pursuit of a progressive agenda impossible, the letter includes. The appeal was initiated by the North Star Caucus for Socialism and Democracy. Signers include Cornell West, you've seen that idiot on TV. Francis Fox Piven, who argues for riots in order to change society. Gus Newpert, Katha Pollitt, Carl Davidson, Barbara Enreich, Bill Fletcher, and a list that has grown to over 200 special people. The Communist paper says as Trump continues to assault democracy, plots to steal the election and polarize the nation with bigotry and hate, the urgency grows for his defeat. But the Communist Party is ready. And so is Tom Ridge, Carly Fiorina, John Kasich, Colin Powell, Jeff Lake, Chuck Schmegel, Christine Whitman, John Warner, and so many other reprobates and has beens. They join so moronic are they with Angela Davis, Francis Fox Piven, Noam Chomsky, and Cornell West, and the Communist Party USA in voting for Biden and trying to defeat Trump. Isn't it sickening? Beyond belief, sickening. And these republics apparently have no problem with packing the court, a generation of Democrat rule in the Senate by packing the Senate, pushing through the most radical kind of legislation by getting rid of the filibuster and destroying representation for tens of millions of Americans with the assault on the Electoral College. That's who these Republicans are. But don't worry, they'll get a headline in some liberal newspaper. Maybe they'll get a headline in the People's World newspaper, the Communist newspaper, that has exactly the same goals as they do. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. 
How many of you believe in infanticide? What do you scientists say out there, you climate experts? Infanticide. Those are babies, right? Right? Aren't those babies? I want to ask the climate change experts, the scientists. Those are babies, right? By every definition, by every measure. Well, if the Democrats pack the Supreme Court, infanticide will not only be constitutional, you'll be paying for it. Free medical care for illegal aliens will not only be constitutional, but you'll be paying for it. And every human being should have the right to vote. I'm sure the Democrats will push that, even for non-citizens. And that court will uphold it. It'll uphold the most extreme agenda you can imagine. Because it's not there to uphold the Constitution. It's up there to do the dirty work of the Democrat Party. Now, I'm going to prove to you what a liar and a coward Joe Biden is. Here's what he said in 1983 during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on packing the court. Cut six, go. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question, for an entire decade, the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Of course, he's an idiot. Supposed to be a co-equal branch. But now, here's Joe Biden in Las Vegas this Saturday. Cut seven, go. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the courts. And I know that sure. you said yesterday you aren't going to answer the question until after the election. But this is the number one thing that I've been asked about from viewers uh, in the past couple of days. Well, you've been asked by the viewers who are probably Republicans who don't want me continuing to talk about what they're doing to the court right now. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. Deserve. I'm not going to play his game. He'd love me to talk about, and I've, I've already said something on, on court pack. He'd love that to be the discussion instead of what he's doing now. He's about, to, he's about to make a pick in the middle of an election, first time it's ever been done. First time in history it's ever been done. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, he's such a liar. He's, he's so sleazy. For the vast majority of our history, we didn't have this early voting. You had some absentee voting, but you didn't have millions of people voting early with million limb bouts and all the rest of it. So now we're in the middle of voting. Used to be November 3rd. That was election day. So when he says this is the first time in the history it's in the middle of voting, you can see what a sleaze Joe Biden is. He's always been a sleaze. That's number one. Number two, he said it was a bonehead idea in 1983. Okay, now it's 2020. Can he just say it's a bonehead idea? This guy flip-flops, flops, flips more than uh, John Kerry ever did. Now, the reason is he knows he will lose his base. But they have every intention of packing the court, and not only does that destroy our constitutional system, with one vote, one law, but it will affect your life mightily because the Supreme Court now is far more powerful than the framers ever intended. Whether it's social issues involving your church or your synagogue or your mosque, abortion and prayer, whether it's social issues, whether it's other issues involving your health care, your freedom of movement, whatever it is, the court has gotten into everything, everything. 
And, and so now what they want is this massive control, a Politburo, that will not serve as a real court. It will serve as an old Soviet style or a common communist Chinese court today. That's what they want. That, that's how these, these dictators handle this. And so they can go on and on about Trump, the autocrat. Trump has never suggested changing the Constitution or changing these institutions. He's not the one who's proposed adding seats to the Supreme Court. He's not the one who's proposed adding Republican seats to the Senate. He's not the one attacking our electoral system, that is, the, um, the manner in which we elect presidents today through the Electoral College. It's the Democrats. I just hope there's enough of us who are smart enough to figure this out. Well, you know, during the debate, uh, he, was, he was interrupting. Who cares? Who gives a damn? A year, two, three from now, God forbid if the Democrats sweep the elected branches and they destroy our health care and they destroy the nature of citizenship and they confer all manner of rights and welfare on illegal aliens. If they destroy our Supreme Court and destroy our Senate and ram through all kinds of changes in our society and in our lives, are you going to be thinking about interruptions during a debate? For God's sakes, wake the hell up, everybody. For God's sakes, don't let the media spin you. It's not about a debate. It's not about interruptions. It's about the life and death of this republic. It's that simple. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. By the way, next hour, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee will be joining us, Lindsey Graham. And we have other guests. And uh, But here's my surprise. The President of the United States, this man is unbelievable. He gets through the coronavirus. They just keep attacking him, and he will not. He will not relent. And here he is in Sanford, Florida. Go ahead. We'll take it live. Disaster declaration for the state of Florida, and I'll be with you through every step of the rebuilding. And you'll be hit with others. The one thing we know about Florida, you're very good at this stuff. You get hit by hurricanes, and you rebuild, and you rebuild fast. And it's incredible. I've watched. I've watched. 
And you don't want much help either. You're proud people. You're incredible people. You put it back together. But we're there for you all the way, and we're there monetarily, and we're there with FEMA. And I think Ron, FEMA's been incredible, haven't they? Right? Yeah, they've been incredible. Thank you to FEMA. We have a lot of FEMA people here, right over there. We've spent the last four years reversing the damage Biden has inflicted over the last 47 years with that ridiculous, dumb thought, NAFTA, TPP, and China's entry into the World Trade Organization, a disaster for our country. You know, China is considered a developing nation. I stopped that. China is considered a developing In other words, China, they're so wonderful, they're developing. Isn't that nice? Now, by being a developing nation, they get much more benefits than a nation that's not a developing. So I said, well, we're a developing nation, too, if they're a developing nation. And we just won, you know this, we just won $7.5 billion from the World Trade Organization. Just won. And from the World Health Organization, I took us out. They said, why'd you do that? I said, number one, they were wrong on everything, although they corrected themselves today and they said I was right on the lockdowns. But I said, number two, why are we paying $500 million a year and China, which has 1.4 billion people, is paying 39 million a year. Explain that. They couldn't explain it. It was very hard to explain. So I took us out for that and other reasons, okay? So we'll see what happens with that. But these are the deals. I could go over hundreds of different things with you. And just common sense. I mean, common sense, what, what we do. Think of it. World Health Organization. We spend, we have 325 million people. We spend $500 million, China spends $39 million, and China dominates them. I said, does it work that way anymore? Does it work that way anymore? They'll take us back in so fast at much less money. For decades, our politicians spent trillions and trillions of dollars rebuilding foreign nations fighting foreign wars and defending foreign borders. But now we are finally protecting our nation, rebuilding our cities, and we are bringing our jobs and our factory and our troops back home to the USA. He's a remarkable man in the hospital not that long ago. Those days of betrayal, and that's what we were. We were betrayed by our own politicians, whether it was on purpose or that they were just plain stupid. We'll come back with unprecedented force if Washington Democrats are allowed to take control again. We can't let it happen. You have got to get out and vote. Sleepy Joe Biden, and it wasn't him, it's the people that control him. He's controlled totally has put forward the most radical platform in American history, including a plan to eliminate U.S. borders. Oh, that's wonderful. Where's our border? We don't have one. Just come in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. If you're a murderer, if you're a rapist, if you're very, very sick with a disease that can spread all over, just come on in. Now, you know, we're up to almost 400 miles of wall. Nobody talks about that anymore. And we now have the tightest, safest border in our country's history. But we're up to almost 400 miles. It'll be finished very soon. And it's top of the line. It's exactly what Border Patrol wanted.
But by implementing nationwide catch and release, imposing deadly sanctuary cities nationwide, nationwide, they want sanctuary cities. That's what they want. I don't even think, I'll tell you, I know a lot of people in California, they don't want sanctuary cities. It's like the politicians want it. I don't think the people want it. But they want to suspend all removals of illegals out of our country, whether they're murderers, rapists, thugs, bank robbers. They don't care. They want it suspended. You almost say, where the hell are they coming from? Where does it even, where does the thought process come? It's demented. It would mean the total nullification of all U.S. borders, overwhelming every city and town in America, including this wonderful place that we all love very much. Under my leadership, we achieved the most secure border in U.S. history, and we're finishing that wall. It's going to be finished and so beautiful. Wait till you see that. Wait till you see that. A few more months. We're doing 10 miles a day. And by the way, Mexico is paying. They hate to say it. Mexico is paying for it. And Mexico has been great. You know, Mexico All right, has 27,000. I want to talk about a, a few more things here. Although I could listen to him all night, couldn't you? But I want to hit a few things you may not be aware of. The Economist is no friend of the President of the United States. It's actually quite liberal. And I want to read a, uh, a paragraph that's in an article they've published that's really quite fascinating. Again, they're, not, they're no fan of the President, but I, I want you to listen to this. Because these polls may be dispiriting you, and I want to get you excited and motivated. Most of you are. And I hope you're the Thomas Paines and the Paul Revere's that I know Levinites can be. And we'll get all these people out to vote, your friends, your family, your neighbors, and your co-workers. It's so crucially important. Here's what they say in The Economists. Polls may be understating Trump's support a bit. The reason is a phenomenon researchers call differential partisan non-response. In less geeky words, when the candidate you support is doing badly, you're less likely to answer a pollster's call, or at least when they're reported to be doing badly. Pollsters are used to having to adjust their data to be demographically representative of the population as a whole. Imagine that in a pollster's sample of likely voters, 50% do not have a bachelor's degree. But according to the census, in 2016, the share of voters without three-year degrees was 60%. So to get a representative sample of likely voters, a bit more weight must be given to this group to bring them from 50 to 60%. Similarly, if there are, say, too few non-college-educated or low-income respondents in a sample, pollsters will adjust their data to meet demographic or geographic reality. But, even after correcting these demographic biases, pollsters' data is still unrepresentative of Trump's support in other ways. They may have the right shares of young people and Southerners, but too many Republicans or Democrats in their data sets. But many non-identified voters are secret Trump supporters. This problem comes to the fore when an event causes especially good or bad news for a political party, as is the case now. 
in such scenarios making national polls suddenly filled with partisans eager to voice their pessimism about the president. Now, we discussed this the other day, not this point, which is a brilliant point, and a factual point. You have a poll that came out this morning or yesterday that says nationally the president is 12 points behind. Last week, we had a CNN poll that said the president is 14 points behind. Yet an NBC poll that said the president also was 12 points behind. Do any of you believe that Joe Biden will defeat Donald Trump by a modern landslide? Do you believe that? It's not going to happen. You don't have to predict what's going to happen, but you can predict that's not going to happen. There will not be a Joe Biden (coughs) landslide. And so you know these things are not right. You know they're not right. And what The Economist is saying here is these pollsters aren't taking into consideration a lot of Trump people who just don't want to bother with the pollsters. I've gotten calls here and I have caller ID on my hard line from pollsters. I don't pick the phone up. I don't, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they have to ask. I just have no interest in it. It could be that's what they're talking about. In fact, in many ways, I think pollsters are part of the problem. Not all. Not John McLaughlin types or Rasmussen's and so forth. But you understand what I mean, these push polls. Where they try and influence the outcome of the election rather than try and honestly determine the outcome of the election. I'll be right back. in. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA. Simply smarter wireless. All right, here we are. Folks, Facebook is censoring me. They made another run at it. They backed off again, but... I'm getting loaded up here to do something with Facebook. We can't have them overlooking my shoulder all the time. Uh, We get closer and closer to the election. It's clear they're trying to sway the outcome with their left-wing ideology. 
and their censorship. They're policing my perfectly legitimate posts, and they, in effect, are threatening. But nobody's going to shut me up, not here on radio, not on Levin TV. This is why it's so important to watch and support Levin TV on the Blaze TV network. Do not let big tech control what information you're allowed to see and hear. This is our country. This is our election. If they don't want to let you hear it, Blaze TV will. Now, they create these platforms. They lure you in. People like me build up the platform. you got over a million and a half people on, I do, on Facebook. I've got over 2.5 million on Twitter. And then they, they try to threaten you. They try to threaten you. One of the reasons I like Parler, by the way, and I hope you're going over to Parler. I love the way they bring on these doctors and former bureaucrat doctors and experts on TV to comment on whether or not President Trump should be campaigning for president. And look how they've turned things on their head. What Trump is doing is normal. It's Routine. It's what presidents are supposed to do when they're running for re-election. What Biden is doing is perverse. It's odd. And yet they call him responsible. He's not responsible. He's hiding. And there was a story, I saw it on The Blaze. Did you see this, Mr. Producer, where uh, Biden and Kamala Harris were in Phoenix and nobody showed up? Nobody showed up. Literally nobody showed up. And the local reporter there was basically saying, nobody showed up. But you see, 12 percentage points ahead. 14 maybe even. Going to be a massive landslide. He's got the Communist Party USA behind him. As well as Kasich and Ridge and Whitman and those types of republics. So together they've got this force. Pretty crazy, no? All right. Let's take some calls. Let's see. How about Quinn in Hickory, North Carolina, the great WHKY? Quinn, how are you, sir? I am well, Mr. Levin. Go right ahead, my friend. All right. With the separation of powers, it's supposed to exist between the three branches of government. It should be necessary for each branch to determine their staffing level. Request of Congress. No, it doesn't work that way under our Constitution. Congress sets the number of seats in the Supreme Court. I can understand them setting it if there is a need. Well, me too, but you said each branch should set its own. That's not the way the Constitution works. Well, if I can look at this. It would be better if we just vote and make sure these people don't get anywhere close to a majority. Yes, sir. But what we're looking at right now is that the talk is overthrowing this, the balance on the Supreme Court. I'm well aware that we've been talking about that. I can understand if the Supreme Court was saying we need more members. Thank you order- for your call, sir. Folks, there's no point. The Constitution says that Congress can set the number of uh, seats. And they pass the statute, the president signs it. It's not, it's not a matter of, uh, I wish this could happen and I wish that could happen. It doesn't work that way. And it's not going to work that way. 
Period. There's no, there's no debate. There's no discussion. It just doesn't. The court doesn't get to set its own number. I don't even think it should. What we've got to do is chase these reprobates, these tyrants, out of town. Susie, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hi, Mark. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you. I love listening to your show, but um, I wanted to bring up a point about Joe Biden. Isn't it interesting that by saying the American people do not deserve to know whether he is going to pack the court or not, that he really is answering the question that he will? Yeah, and I don't think we should ask him anymore. I think we should say he's going to pack the court. Yeah. And and all he has to say is, that's a lie. No, I'm not. He's going to pack the court. Let's not be passive anymore. I know. So I just find, I'm like, he's a lunatic. He's totally a lunatic. I don't understand how he thinks he could win this election because he has no brain. Well, he could. If we don't turn out. All right, my friend, Susie, thank you very much. We got a powerful hour next. The chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee is asked to come on. He'll be coming on as well as others. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Remember when I told you couple weeks back that Joe Biden set up an S-corporation, so the money he would get from speeches, believe it or not, he was paid to do speeches, and writing, I guess he wrote a book or somebody wrote it for him, because I don't think he can read one, uh, which was substantial money, over $13 million in a relatively short period of time, that by sending up an S-corporation, he, uh, he contributed almost nothing to Obamacare. And now they're running around talking about Obamacare. I hope people listening to me in the Trump campaign, even some in the so-called media, are paying attention. Because the truth is, Joe Biden has contributed very little to Obamacare over the last several years. But now I want to talk to the New York Times, thanks to the New York Sun, which is an outstanding publication, Ira Stoll. Listen to this, folks. The New York Times investigation of President Trump says the president used big tax losses in some years to avoid paying taxes in others. That he invested some of his profits into money-losing businesses and that Mr. Trump paid his daughter as a way to transfer assets to his children, quote-unquote. In addition, it says that Mr. Trump's businesses are propped up by foreign revenue and that Mr. Trump, quote, has written off of business expenses costs, including fuel and meals associated with his aircraft used to shuttle him among his various homes and properties, unquote. The Times ought to know, because the New York Times Company and the Ox Sulzberger family that control it have done the same things. The New York Times investigation in Mr. Trump reports, quote, 
Mr. Trump's business losses have often accumulated in sums larger than could be used to reduce taxes on other income in a single year. But the tax code offers a workaround. With some restrictions, business owners can carry forward leftover losses to reduce taxes in future years, unquote. That's how it works for the New York Times company shareholders, too. The New York Times company had a loss of about $58 million in 08, and its 2009 annual report disclosed a net income tax benefit of nearly $6 million that year. The annual, stay with me, the annual report says state tax operating loss carry forwards, see they're carrying it forward, total $13.5 million as of December 27, 2009, and so forth. Such loss carry forwards expire in accordance with provisions of applicable tax laws. Same in 2006. Same in 2006. Speaking of the New England Media Group, it is the Ox Salzberger family. What loss producing golf courses are to the Trump family? See, the Times Company bought the Boston Globe for $1.1 billion in 1993, added the Worcester Telegram and Gazette for $295 million in 1999, and sold them both to the Boston Red Sox owner John Henry for $70 million. In 2013, they lost a ton. Like Mr. Trump, the Times Company has even dabbled in the golf sector. The Times Company bought the Golf Digest magazine in 1969 for between 3 and $4 million and then sold it in 2001. The New York Times makes a big investigative scandal about President Trump's business paying his sons and his daughter Ivanka, describing it as a way around the gift tax. Less than a week before the Times published its investigative report, it issued a press release, quote, The New York Times Company today announced that Arthur Oxalsberger Jr. will retire as chairman and a member of its board of directors and will be succeeded as chairman by A.G. Salzberger, Times publisher since 2018. Salzberger Jr. will assume the title chairman emeritus. So the Times 2020 proxy statement includes two paragraphs on Oxalsberger family members employed at the company in 2019 including not only the outgoing chairman's son, who was paid over $2 million, but also James Dreyfus, who earned over $280,000, Pamela Dreyfus, who earned over $138,000 and so forth, and, and David Perpich, who earned 931000 So these are family members. The Sulzberger father and son chairman publisher duo themselves can't even be bothered to report their transactions to the government on time. The 2020 Times Company proxy statement says, on February 27, 2020, reports on Form 4 were filed for Messrs. Sulzberger Jr. and Sulzberger disclosed certain transactions in 2017 and 2018. So in 2020, they're paying monies owed in 2017 and 2018. Now, they inadvertently omitted from previous reports that Mr. Sulzberger Jr.'s two, cla- two gifts of Class A stock that he made in 2017, and Mr. Sulzberger's transfer of Class A stock in 2018. Imagine the treatment Mr. Trump would get from the Times if he claimed to have inadvertently omitted reporting gifts of stock. And foreign revenue? The Times complains that Trump is making many overseas licensing deals in countries with authoritarian-leaning leaders or or thorny geopolitics, for example, $3 million from the Philippines, two point three from India, $1 million from Turkey. The time is operating overseas, too. Does business in the Philippines via Singapore-based subsidiary? 
The most recent Times Annual Report says international digital-only news subscriptions represented 17% of their news subscriptions. And it goes on. Times even claimed a $2.6 million tax deduction in 2019 for foreign-derived intangible income, along with $5.7 million research and experimentation tax credit. The Times Annual Report lists a subsidiary in communist China, the Beijing Zhejiang Consulting Company, LTD. Meanwhile, 9.8% of the Times Company's stock is controlled by a Mexican national, Carlos Slim Hulo, according to a 2020 Times proxy statement. Now that's down from 17.3% control back in 2019. And still, though, he owns about 10% of the company. The Times complains that Mr. Trump's taking the use of an airplane as a business expense. The Times, though, did so too for years, with a plane with the FAA tail number 1896, matching the year that Ox Sulzberger family acquired the paper. 2009, the Times company put its corporate jet up for sale. In its report on Trump's taxes, the Times assures readers that all the information the Times obtained was provided by sources with legal access to it. That skirts, though, the question of whether it was legal for those sources to provide the information to the Times or for the Times to publish it. 26 U.S. Code Section 7213 makes it a felony willfully to disclose tax return information. It provides for the punishment of up to five years in prison. And the law applies to federal and state employees and also to other persons. Carlos Slim and the fifth-generation members of Ox Sulzberger family are making money selling a story that is based on information obtained from methods and sources it refuses to disclose, and that paints Mr. Trump as somewhat corrupt for doing things that the Ox Sulzberger family has itself been doing for years. For years. The New York slimes. Unbelievable. I wonder what Facebook thinks of that, Mr. Producer. I also have an article here from First Things firstthings.com, and they go through Kamala Harris's record of anti-Catholic bigotry. Kamala Harris has a deep record of anti-Catholic bigotry, and I want my Catholic friends out there to understand this. Particularly on Columbus Day. And they talk about this at length at First Things, and this is a piece that's out today by Kenneth Craigraft. And you can Google this information yourself. The attack on the Knights of Columbus. And she's gone after other Catholics, as a matter of fact. Um, when the Center for Medical Progress exposed evidence that Planned Parenthood was uh, illegally trafficking organs and tissues from aborted children. Then California Attorney General Harris authored a raid on the home of CMP's David Daly Dunn. She seized the video footage. Harris's office conspired with Planned Parenthood, one of her generous political supporters, in drafting a bill of attainer-style legislation against him. And this is an organization, obviously, that California, the U.S. Senator, possible vice, and so forth. And she's instituted a movement against the Catholic Church and has in the past. And the beliefs of those who share the faith's principles. And other than conservative or Catholic publications, what you see in newspapers like the Washington Compost is an attack on Judge Barrett. 
her Catholicism, and her children. That's how loathsome the left is. And the guy that's the chairman of the Washington Compost, who's also the chairman of the Reagan Library, this guy Fred Ryan, does no policing of his newspaper and its bigotry. It's a shock to me. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, how are you, sir? I am doing great after hearing uh, Amy Barrett. Uh, did you watch today, Mark? Of course. And, uh, she was awesome. She was, uh, let me just say, history yeah. is being made. I hope your audience understands that this is not only the fifth woman to be nominated to the court, but this um, fine woman is unashamedly uh, conservative, uh, and she should be an inspiration to all young women who, or conservative, there's a seat at the table for you, and I want to thank President Trump for making that possible. First, I thought I was at sort of a uh, education committee hearing uh, or a health committee hearing. The Democrats uh, <laughs> want to talk about Obamacare. I uh, thought I thought we were at a presidential debate. I thought I thought yeah. you know Trump nominated himself. Well, said, well, here's I, the I told thing. The judge, I said, I hate for you to get in the way of a good conversation. Yeah. But 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 here's the thing, Lindsey Graham. We know this. There's severability. I don't know what the court's going to do, but I counted six justices so far who are leaning towards upholding the whole Obamacare law. And if they knocked it down, I don't know of a single senator of any party that opposes covering pre-existing conditions. So this is all a fan dance with them, isn't it? You got it, as you always do. So it's about driving a narrative. Anything other than her qualifications, the only thing we didn't talk about today on the Democratic side What's her qualification? She's every bit as qualified as Sotomayor and Kagan, Alito, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, uh, you name it. She's every bit as qualified as anybody to ever be nominated for the Supreme Court. So they're clearly using the hearing uh, to beat Trump up and us up about the Affordable Care Act. And as you say, I don't know one Republican that would do away pre-existing conditions. But I can say this about Obamacare, Mark. In my state, we started out with five choices on the exchange. We're down to one. Premiums went up 30%, and here's something most people don't know. 35% of the money under Obamacare goes to three states. Uh, name them. I'll give you a free trip to Myrtle Beach if you can name the three Oh, let me states. try. Let me try. Okay. California. Yeah. New York. Yeah. All right, now, hold on now. This is the tough one. Uh, Illinois. 
uh, Massachusetts. Ah, you can still come to Merlot Beach, but you've got to pay. <laughs> so uh, here's the deal. They're all very uh, generous Medicaid states. So they're 22% of the population, 35% of the money. What do they have in wow. common? Pelosi, Schumer, and Elizabeth Warren. If we did a block grant where you sent the money back, the dollars that exist today based on a per capita formula where no matter where you lived, you get the same contribution, whether you lived in Charleston, Columbia, or San Francisco, it would be almost a billion-dollar increase to the state of South Carolina. Mm. And my goal is to get the money back into the hands of local doctors, local hospitals, and hold local politicians accountable so if you don't like the product, you can do something about it versus a a bureaucrat you'll never meet. It's Graham-Casty. It's a block-grant approach rather than centralized single-payer approach. I think that's a great idea. I'm a favor of block grants generally, by the way. Yes, it worked with welfare. Remember when we block granted money back to the states for welfare? We didn't mm-hmm. pay people more to have children out of wedlock. Guess what? They stopped having less children out of wedlock. Medicaid, when you allow Indiana and other states to come up with different ways to cover uh, pre-existing conditions, they do it more efficiently. So my goal is to take the money, get it out of Washington, put it in the hands of uh, state officials, hold them accountable to the ballot box, and allow you as the consumer to have a say about what kind of health care you, you receive. And 50 different ways of doing it. You'll find some state will find a way to do diabetes better than other states, and it will spread. The only way you're going to get better outcomes in medicine is through innovation. The only way you get innovation is to empower people at the local level. All right, I want, I want you to let me speak a second. I want to speak to the people of the country and to the people of South Carolina. We're all over South Carolina here. Right. You need to reelect this man, the United States Senate. He is very, very close to the President of the United States and helps him on a myriad of issues, both publicly and privately. His opponent is a radical leftist. We can't afford to lose South Carolina. We lose South Carolina, we lose the Senate, we lose the Senate, the filibuster, the Supreme Court, the whole kit and caboodle. They're pouring money into this race out of Manhattan, out of Hollywood, to try and knock off Lindsey Graham. And I'm telling you, as a Reagan conservative, that we must have Lindsey Graham back in the United States Senate, that his opponent is, my comment, now you're a senator, is a crackpot, and... And, uh, and we got to get him in there, and we got to keep at the issue with Russia and all the rest of it. So if people want to help you, where do they go? Uh, LindsayGraham.com. Very kind of you to say that. $57 million was raised to beat me, and all the money came outside of South Carolina. The most money raised in the history of the United States Senate in a three-month cycle. Why? I stood up for Kavanaugh. I was on your show a lot. I voted for Sotomayor and Kagan. And I thought they were qualified when it was Kavanaugh's turn. They destroyed the man's life, tried to. I got in the way of that game plan, and I've unashamedly helped President Trump. He won. I lost. I wanted to be successful. Those two things are driving this money. They hate my guts. Jamie Harrison uh, is a reliable vote for the agenda you just described. He was the South Carolina Party chairman. He's the associate chairman of the National Democratic Party. Um, and the bottom line here is I need your help, Instagram.com. I don't need to outraise him. I just need enough to talk about the fact that he opposed Gorsuch. Listen to this, um, Mark. Remember the filibuster of Gorsuch by Schumer? Yeah. The first partisan filibuster in the history of the United States Senate regarding the Supreme Court. He is quoted, he tweeted out, bring out the cots. Uh, when it came to Kavanaugh, he was cheering the destruction of Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, when it came to police reform, he sided with Nancy Pelosi 
not Tim Scott. Tim Scott's a national treasure. He sided with the Pelosi deal that would cripple the police. And finally, if you think there's no difference in this election between the Republicans and Democrats, listen to this. If Republicans keep the Senate, I'm in line to be the budget chairman. If the Democrats take over the Senate, Bernie Sanders will be the budget chairman. Mm-hmm. An avowed socialist. Bernie Sanders versus Lindsey Graham. That matters. <laughs> so it's lindseygram.com, not graham.com. I want to make sure we're right. com. Whatever you can give would be helpful. We've been getting a lot of money. I'm going to release my numbers soon. In my world, the Republican world, they're going to be outstanding. But Act Blue, when this is over, Mark, we got to look at how. Can what you is that? That is a dark money front group. Well, I'm telling you, my friend, 48% of the people giving to Act Blue listed themselves as unemployed. They've raised $350 million since Justice Ginsburg's uh, passing. It's all low dollar donations where you don't have to report. I hope somebody at the Federal Election Committee will look at this. This, to me, doesn't pass the smell test. But I'm in a fight. We're all in a fight. We're going to win this race in South Carolina. You said something that people need to realize. Ronald Reagan was an inspiration. One of the reasons I'm a Republican, I entered the Air Force in 1982. I went to Germany in 84. Ronald Reagan gave a 25% pay raise. I said, I like this guy. But Donald Trump is Ronald Reagan plus P.T. Barnum. (laughs) When you mix the two, you got Trump. All right, Senator Graham. Levinites, come on, let's help the senator. we got to win this seat and many others. God bless you, sir. We'll be right back. Thank you. We're going to get it. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the voice of America. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Joe Biden today, uh, he's not sure what he's running for again. Go ahead. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. He is? Oh. Why does he keep doing that, Mr. Producer? He's sharp as a tack. We have a wonderful guest, Matt Rosendale. He's running for the House, Montana at large. That's a big damn district, the whole state, and that's a big state. Matt, how are you, my friend? I am doing outstanding tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It was a pleasure for for me and Julie to meet you and uh, tell everybody about your race. 
You know, it's going well. Uh, our races are always close up here. Unfortunately, people have the perception that Montana is deep red like Wyoming, but we're not. We've got a big bowl of tomato soup with a couple of huge blueberries dropped in there that make it difficult for a conservative like myself to go ahead and, and achieve victory, but we're, we're keeping it close. We've been able to maintain a, a small but consistent lead in the polls for about 60 days. Unfortunately, that has certainly attracted the attention of Nancy Pelosi and the National Democrats. So while they're going to uh, dump and have already committed to spend several million, about $3 million in the remaining three weeks, Mark, I'm going to work harder. And with everybody's help, we're going to, we're going to get this thing across the finish line. You know, Matt, not that this helps you, but every candidate I bring on here, whether they're running for the House or the Senate, is being outspent. It is an amazing thing how much money the Democrats are able to raise while they pretend to be for the little people. And they raise most of the money from both coasts and from enormously wealthy individuals who are willing to put their money on the line for power. And I'm a little troubled by the Republican billionaires. I don't see as many of them stepping up. Some do, but most are not in order to try help save this country. You know, you got to go blow for blow against people like Soros and Steyer and, and so forth and so on. But in any event, Montana, tell us about your opponent. Oh, my lads. Uh, she is absolutely a radical liberal from, check this out, Berkeley, California. She was educated in Berkeley, born in San Francisco, and she's trying to play this middle-of-the-road, I-get-along-with-everybody uh, Democrat, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. I served with this woman in the Montana legislature, and we were both there in 11, 13, and 15. So you can look at our votes on the same subjects, side-by-side. Side. The NRA gives her an F rating. The NRA gives me an A rating. The Montana Shooting Sports Association, our local organization, gives her an F rating, gives me an A rating. She was so poor on tax policy, on regulatory policy, that even the Montana Chamber of Commerce rated her with F as they were rating me with, with champion of business, voting me as a champion of business. She's already voted against $1 billion in tax relief for the hardworking people across our state and has said that if she was elected immediately, she would vote to repeal or sunset the tax cuts and jobs act, which would place a two to $3,000 tax increase on every family across the state because she calls it a revenue giveaway. People are sending their tax dollars to Washington and, and trying to limit the amount they're sending to Washington, and she calls that a revenue giveaway. How, how like, does a like, person like this get elected in Montana? You're right. It's, Montana's a, a marginal state either way, but she's so radical. Is it because all the money they spend on, on these buying these ads to indoctrinate and to lie? And the same thing that, that every Republican runs into nationwide, a compliant media. They will not expose her for what she truly is, and it's shameful. Now, if people want thank to help you, got, yeah. God, thank goodness we've got people like Mark Levin out there helping us to evangelize. Well, listen, uh, it's very, very important uh, in Montana and the rest of the country that we remove Nancy Pelosi from the House of Representatives or we're going to lose this country. Now, 
if people want to help you, Matt, that is people in your state want to volunteer in the last few weeks or people all over the country want to support you because your votes affect all of us, where should they go? MattForMontana.com. That's Matt, F-O-R, Montana.com. And they can get information on me. They can get information on the work that I've done. And they can get information on how to uh, get in contact with us so that we can uh, get them to help us with phone calls and and door knocking. And they certainly can help us with uh, contribution. MattForMontana.com. Give us a little bit of information on your background. I'm a businessman, Mark. I did not get into public service until about... Nine years ago, I was in real estate development, brokerage management, took a little one-office operation. It was a mom-and-pop operation, my mom-and-pop. And basically, with five agents, I uh, was instrumental in building that into a four-office, 65-agent, multi-million-dollar firm. Uh, did that for about 20 years. Came out to Montana with my wife and three sons and settled in on a ranch in the eastern part of the state where not many people are, a lot of cows, a lot of horses. I did that for about eight years. Um, The community got together. They elected me as president of the Ag Association. They elected me as president of the parish council. I'm very active in the Catholic Church. And then they said, you know, we really see that you've got a lot of skills you aren't utilizing. And they got me to uh, run for the legislature. And and from there, I I found myself quickly... taking leadership roles. And what I also found, Mark, was that most of the problems that we dealt with in the legislature didn't originate in Helena. They certainly didn't originate in Glendive, Montana, population Mm -hmm. 4,500. They originated in Washington, Mm D.C. And and basically, I've become tired of fighting the uh, fires from too far away. It's, it's time to go right in and, and start trying to sort some of these things out in Washington. All right, let's see if we can ha- help Matt, who will help us if he gets to Washington. This is a very winnable seat. It's Matt Rosendale, by the way. It's mattformontana.com. Matt for Montana. It's very simple to spell. mattformontana.com. He's one of the candidates we really want to help. He's in a district that we can really win. And God forbid, Montana, if Donald Trump doesn't win, because they will make mincemeat out of that state. You know, these these people from uh, Wilmington and San Francisco and the Queens, they don't quite get Montana, you know, Matt. No, they don't. No, they don't. We Look, Mark, we've been social distancing here since 1889. <laughs> we just want to keep it that way. Just got to do a little more socialist distancing, and then you'll be all right. <laughs> there all right. you go. All right, my friend. God bless you. MattForMontana.com. You can check out Mark Levin Facebook. Excuse me, Mark Levin Show Facebook. Mark Levin Show Parlor. Mark Levin Show Twitter. Uh, if you can help Matt, let's help him out. Matt, God bless. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. You bet. And we met Matt. He's a terrific, terrific guy. Let's go to Moses. North Bergen, New Jersey, the great WABC. Moses, go. Like to make a call. Did we lose Moses, Mr. Producer? All right. Hello, Mark. You there? Yeah, go ahead, Moses. All right, Mark. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Now, the one thing I wanted to talk about was just, like, the incongruentness of Dr. Fauci. Because... Uh-oh. I guess we lost Moses. I guess we'll have to try another. Sorry, Moses. Fred, Salt Lake City, Utah, XM Satellite, go. 
Hold on here. Let me refresh this. This is becoming a mess here. Hold on one second. David in Milton, Delaware. Uh, kind of home to, uh, what's his face, running for the Senate. Uh, we're in the red part of the state, Mark. We're in the, his backyard, but uh, he doesn't know where he is, so it doesn't matter. Um, hey, I just went, before I even start, I sent $50 to Lindsay, not only because, uh, you know, from Delaware, not only because of Kavanaugh, but if we don't keep the Senate, this whole Russian scam goes away. Uh, You're right. But what You're I right. Say, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what I wanted to say is polling is absolute nonsense. And, and by the way, I said we have to elect every Republican. You know, normally I say no way. Now I'm saying yes way because everything's on the line. Go ahead. Polling is nonsense these days. And all you have to do is ask yourself, who the heck is answering calls from numbers they don't recognize anymore? Do you? Certainly not us. Nope. And Mark, there's never there's never been a better time to read Animal Farm. It's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> Some editions are only about seventy pages, so even liberals can read it. And the pigs, they chose the geese to spread their propaganda, not because there were more of them, because they squawked the loudest. Mm-hmm. And because they were among the stupidest of the animals. And the media geese today are so stupid they can't even use a freaking thesaurus to uh mix up their squawking points to try to fool us. Well, the the problem we have now is we've never had a media like this before so thoroughly corrupt. It's always been liberal, but they, they always tried to pretend that they were, you know, unbiased and and so forth. But now they're fully out of the closet. They've embraced what's called public journalism or community journalism. It's pushed by a bunch of leftists like this guy, uh, Professor Jay Rosen and others that I've written about in Unfreedom of the Press. It's an ideological approach to news. It's not enough to report the news. You've got to push the social uh, activism aspects of it. It really started with John Dewey when it comes to education. No, it started before Pravda. It really started with John Dewey, a progressive and it is spread into other areas of our society. Anyway, go ahead. That's all. That's all I have to all say. All right, brother. Appreciate your call. Let's keep going. Tom, Glendora, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA. How are you? Very good, Mark. It's an honor to be on the air with you, one of the greatest patriots trying to save this country in a time of dire need. God bless you, Mark. And you too, my friend. Well, thank you. Mark, I uh, recently retired as a conservative instructor from Cal State Long Beach, and I didn't get one bit of help from the Endangered Species Act. Yeah. But uh, I did mention when I would go to class, one of the first things I would say every day is, whatever you think of politics, this is the best nation in the world. It's based on God and God-given rights, and you need to defend your freedom because it's fragile and we'll lose it. And how apt I was, and I didn't think it would be this soon that would be we would be facing such a grave crisis. And my call, Mark concerns education. We talk about saving the country. The huge danger we face that we're seeing the uh, horrible effects of it is a three-headed monster in our school system. I know you're well aware of it. And number one is the vile history book that's been in the public schools for 40 years since 1980, Howard Zinn's Disgusting right. People's History of the USA, which just knocks this great country. Right. Number two is what you've referred to and is now taking deep root. It's cancerous, evil roots are getting deeper. The vile 1619 Project right. from the New York Slimes, which says that we are just a, a nation of white, evil, devil, racist murderers. And number three, which Donald Trump... Has 
has addressed and tried to fight the most vile of all, perhaps, critical race theory, which says again that it preys under diversity. That's a foul lie. It again says that these white I, I, devils... You wrapped, I got to run. I got a hard break. You wrapped it up very, very well, Tom. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, it's too bad uh, the Israeli Jews can't vote in this election. 63.3% of Israelis prefer the re-election of Donald Trump. 18.8% prefer Biden. It's almost a reversal here in this country. Because it's one thing to live in cozy neighborhoods and so forth. And... uh, and be a leftist. And then if you don't like what's going on, you can move. Move to Florida. Move somewhere else. And then continue to vote like left-wing Democrats. It's not only Jews. It's Catholics. Everybody. But you see, in Israel, there's no moving. They're surrounded. And they appreciate this president. They appreciate this president. Too bad they can't vote in our election. And everybody else seems to be voting in our election. So that piece I was telling you about, let's see here if I can find it again. Here it is, the Jerusalem Post. Let me find the article. A new poll published by I-24 News and conducted by Direct Falls Research found 63.3% of Israelis prefer the re-election of incumbent U.S. President Trump compared to 18.8% who prefer former Vice President, Democrat challenger Joe Biden. And the respondents indicated that they believe a majority will be a better president for the state of Israel. A minority of Israelis said the same about Biden. Let's see here. Well, anyway, it truly is a remarkable thing, isn't it? It truly is a remarkable thing. Donald Trump has been the best friend in the Oval Office that Israel has ever had. Ever. It's not even close. And even in our own country, he's issued executive order against anti-Semitism to protect Jewish students on our college campuses, given the growth of the BDS movement and the effects on immigration uh, in our country and the lack of assimilation. 
and they try and turn him into an anti-Semite, and yet he's, he's been a fantastic president uh, for Israel and for Jews, as he's been a fantastic president for really all minorities in this country, as well as the majority in this country, if you think about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all our heroes. Thank you. And we will see you tomorrow right here. Don't forget, you're the Thomas Paine. You're the Paul Revere. We need you to get five or ten people to vote. If we all do that, we win big. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.